This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma. Thanks for joining us. In this week's episode, we're looking at President Cyril Ramaphosa's four-nation diplomatic excursion to West Africa. With my guests, uh, we'll be talking about the significance of the visit and whether it marks a change in South Africa's relations with uh, that part of our continent, as well as the rest of the continent, of course. Our guests today for the conversation are uh, Amanda Koza, who's the Sunday Times presidential correspondent, as well as Lizel Louvodran, uh, who is a senior researcher at the Institute for Security Studies. This aircon is racist. I've never, ever been a spy. Can the VBS bank uh, loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shit. Can you please come in? Can we start with you, Amanda, because you, you take the long, as it were, uh, with the president you know, to all the countries that, that, that he went to. Uh, over the last seven days or so. Which countries did you go to? So the president jetted off last week, starting off in Nigeria. Then it was Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. Then it was Ghana. And then we ended with Senegal the day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and who was in the delegation? You know, When he left, it was very clear that he was a man on a mission, a man with a plan, and his plan was to cut deals. That's what he told us. And obviously to execute the, these deals that he wanted, whether it was political, economical, or commercial, he needed um, quite a strong team around him to assist him with uh, what his vision was for the trip, for Africa, and for South Africa. So among his uh, entourage was, I won't say the titles, but it was ministers including Gwede Mandashe, Naledi Pando, Ibrahim Patel, uh, his DG Pindile Baleni, his legal advisor, Figile uh, Mbalula. Most importantly, one of them was Tadi Modise, Defense, Tulas Ngoisi. So that tells you that the the topics or the issues that are going to be discussed or that were going to be discussed in those countries are very, very important. They deal with transport. They deal, unfortunately, the Minister of Health couldn't be there because of the crisis that we, we have with the new variant, but he was also scheduled to be there. But it just tells you that it was very, very serious. He was very serious about whatever he was going to sell to those presidents or whatever we were looking for from those particular countries. Mm. And in, in, in terms of business people, were, were there any business people in the in, in the delegation? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I, I don't know how I forgot that. One of the, the key things that we noticed, especially in Nigeria, was that there was a large contingent of business people. And Minister Patel explained the importance of this, which is we have a vested interest as a country, and that is we've got some businesses in in Nigeria, in Senegal, in Ghana. I think in in Senegal there's about 200, in Ghana there's 100, I think in Nigeria 45. And we're talking about businesses like MTN here, big, big Standard Bank, uh, DSTV. So we... It's in our interest to make sure that the relations between the two countries are in good stead. So one of the things that they were even saying, President Ramaphosa even held a meeting with the the business delegation, which had the Standard Bank CEO in, in it, where he said, I'm meeting with you because I want to know what are some of the problems. I want to make sure that we iron out some of the problems so that we can make sure that 
we continue to invest in those particular countries and two, they come to us so that it's not a one-way street. He emphasized this a lot, that he doesn't want a one-way street where South Africa is the only one that benefits from these talks. So it was very important to make sure that uh, the business community articulate what are some of the challenges for them that make it difficult either to stay there for very long in those particular countries or for those countries to, what are the issues that are, are hindering those certain businesses from investing in South Africa or starting businesses in South Africa. Okay. Uh, Lizzie, you watch uh, developments on the continent a lot. What does the timing of this visit say to us? Yes, thank you, uh, Mike. It was a very important visit, and I think it did come at a very good time when African countries are rallying around solidarity concerning the COVID-19 vaccines. President Cyril Ramaphosa has really taken the lead last year. He was chairing the African Union and made this his rallying cry and tried to really promote solidarity amongst African nations around uh, access to vaccines, looking at uh, TRIPS waivers, also now in these last few weeks, obviously criticizing the, the travel bans. So uh, where we've seen the continent uh, really in the last couple of years struggling to have common positions on certain issues, a lot of competition inside, uh, you know, between different countries, we've really seen now, uh, I would say, more of countries standing together. So it came at a good time, uh, I think. Also, the African uh, continental free trade area has now got 42 countries ratifying this agreement, which is really out of 55 member states of the African Union. That is a lot. You know that the headquarters of the um, free trade agreement is in Ghana and Wamkelemene, South African, is uh, leading that organization. He leads the secretariat of the AFCFTA. Now, it's important, as Amanda noted, that really the focus was beyond COVID-19 was also to look at business business, uh, investment and trade. So South Africa is already part of various uh, customs unions and free trade agreement. We have agreements, we have SACU, we have SADEC, we have COMESA, we have tripartite free trade zone, which is all mostly with Southern and Eastern Africa. Now, these countries that he visited now, uh, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, they're in ECOWAS. So this is really where the African continental free trade area will kick in for South African businesses because we don't have existing agreements with them. But we have huge uh, problems and obstacles sometimes in some of these markets. We lack political capital. There are huge backlash sometimes against South African companies due to xenophobia and so on that was addressed. Cote d'Ivoire is, is West Africa, Francophone West Africa's biggest economy, the world's biggest cocoa producer, etc. And yet we have very little uh, trade and investment. There's huge opportunities. Uh, um, the market is dominated by um, consumer goods produced in France, and people are keen to move away from that. There's also a lot of Moroccan investment and so on. So there is, I would say, the next frontier for South African businesses is Francophone Africa, and there you have Cote d'Ivoire as really a key country. Right, sorry to interject. I just want to share one thought before we move on because it, it's linked to what Lisa is saying. So when she talks about the unit of the four countries, particularly 
when it comes to COVID. So I can tell you from following the president that there has been a significant change in attitude. Even the confidence that the president exuded towards the last part of the trip, there was a change in tone. I can say it like that. So the president is somebody that's very careful. He's careful in his wording. He's a negotiator. Please give us vaccines. Please, can we make our own vaccines? Towards the end of the trip, I saw a very different Ramaphosa. I even asked him, Mr. Mr. Ramaphosa, you sound very, very different. Your tone has changed. You are confident. You are bold. You are straightforward. Because he told the West, basically, you know, he showed them the middle finger, if I'm allowed to say that. He was very direct in saying that we are tired of begging for vaccines. We want to make our own vaccines. In a time when we we are really struggling in the economy and we tell you that we've got a new variant, you decide to close your doors. We find that really unacceptable. Uh, he thanked a lot of the time, thanked these four presidents for continuing with the trip because they too could have joined the other countries and said, no, uh-uh, we don't want you. You guys have this new variant. It's highly transmissible. So there's a there, there was a big game changer in in because you know the president is the AU champion on vaccines, which means he's taken very seriously as somebody who is a voice of Africa. So I just wanted to note that it was very very important. The United Front, you can see Uguti, uh, something has changed. Uh, Africa is going to come together and they're going to try and make it work without they will try without the west because it sounds like yeah he's had it in fact he used the word where it, the omicron variant made me see that the penny has dropped all these people that are saying are our partners are not our partners so that for me was something very very important to note that we are now dealing with a much more confident president ramaphosa who not only is advocating for south africa but for africa so that was brilliant to see mm. Elizel, Amanda raises the point that the, the, the President Ramaphosa seems to be taking a, a harder line towards the end of the trip against the West, broadly speaking. Are you sensing that there might be a, a change of direction in terms of our relationship with uh, with Europe in particular? Yes, I agree fully with uh, what Amanda uh, says. I spoke to some of my colleagues at the Dakar office of the ISS who were in the hall as well in Dakar when the chairperson of the European Union Council, Charles Michel, was there. There were some other European ministers. And uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa was very, very strong. And, and as Amanda said, you know, we, we don't often see him uh, speak out uh, that way about the travel bans. Um, generally, the West African heads of state, the Francophones, um, are very polite and diplomatic. And uh, my colleague was also saying he had interacted with many people there in Dakar and the Senegalese and the other African delegates really welcomed um, President Cyril Ramaphosa's stance. You know, I'm not so sure we can go as far as to say that this will um, be a real change in our relations because, um, you know, I think in terms of trade and diplomatic links, these countries, uh, so specifically the EU and the US, will continue 
you know, to have uh, good relations with South Africa. But um, this was certainly a turning point when it came to African solidarity around the issue. Um, and I even noticed that, Mike, when um, in these last few days and weeks, I've been participating in some radio debates and so on, and callers who are normally calling up being so negative and so skeptical of the rest of the continent, you know, it's almost South Africa against them. Now there's a sort of a change where people are saying, we should stand together in solidarity because these other countries are just um, ban, you know, imposing travel bans regardless of whether we are, uh, you know, Botswana or South Africa or um, uh, Tanzania, etc. So this, there, there literally is on various levels, I think, a kind of a a new um, African unity developing around this issue. Mm. Amanda, of course, we, we generally talk about the Francophone uh, West Africa. But each of the four countries would be different history-wise, et, et cetera. The, if we talk about the mood in the different countries, as they were moving from one country to the next, how, how would you describe the mood towards President Ramaphosa? I would say um, Nigeria from even, but this is in hindsight of having seen what, what happened in other countries. Nigeria, when we arrived, the minute, the minute we got off the plane, there wasn't like that much fanfare. If you just lived there, you wouldn't know that the South African delegation is there. <laughs> uh, okay, there were, like um, like I said, escorts to the hotels. And then immediately when we got there, there was a little bit of hostility in that uh, we were made to taste like uh, 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 both nost- we were made. Okay, every country we went to, we were made to taste, obviously, because of the new strain. Um, the the program in Nigeria was cut. We were told that we, we, there was supposed to be a, a state banquet and it didn't happen. And the president went immediately to see the president Buhari in a private meeting. The next day it was the talks. Even at the talks, we were only allowed to have three journalists there. We had to share, um, you know, the data and the information. And then that was it. Unlike Cote d'Ivoire, so it was our first like official state uh, visit in in uh, Ivory Coast, and from the minute you got off the plane, there was like a guard of honor. The anthems were sang, and when we got the you, as you travel towards your hotel, there were South African flags and Ivorian flags, you know, you, and the big posters of Ramaphosa's face and their president. You could tell that oh wow, you know, there's like a huge there's, there's a lot of excitement that he's there. Even later on, other than the political schedule, he he was invited uh, to um, uh, Abujan where he was given like the key of the city. Then the traditional leaders, because they believe very strongly in ancestors, he was then um, elevated to a, 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 a status of a chief and even given a name called Chief Dwahaso, which means the war, the great warrior. And, you know, it was very emotional and they you could tell that they they took it they took us in like we were one of their own i was even wondering what are we going to do for them when they come to our country because he would also invite the presidents to please come and visit us and then the state banquet everything is just over the top and you could see that they really 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 were looking forward to us then we moved on to ghana there in ghana too there was this really wonderful mood and you could tell that they were ready for us and excited. Same, same sort of uh, 
theme there where the flag, our flags are everywhere, the pride, you could see the posters, you could tell that South Africa is in town. At night, there was a banquet for Ramaphosa. We even saw like a different Ramaphosa dancing. And I was like, wow. So like he was like very relaxed. Even when he spoke with uh, the Ghanaian president, you, you know, they spoke in one voice and you could tell somehow that he gave Ramaphosa that confidence because it started shifting there that his voice really became really bold because the Ghanaian president, you know, was talking about how look look like how they closed the doors for for, for the African countries uh, when the Omicron came. But look at them now. Ha, ha, ha. And I was like, wow, <laughs> look at them now. <laughs> and then Senegal too, that was an amazing, amazing welcome. So overall, the, I would say the mood was much more warmer towards the latter part of the trip. Um, I'm not really sure what the dynamics were behind closed doors in, in Nigeria. We do know that previously uh, there were a little bit of tensions, but I was told subsequently that we are now on the same page. It could have been just, you know, I don't know, organizing the, or just an organizing issue. Um, other than that, that's how it was. Yeah, but, but these are still significant that we started in Nigeria. Yes, absolutely. Mike, Nigeria remains the uh, biggest uh, economy on the continent, the biggest number of people, a key ally for South Africa when it comes to uh, any work that we want to do on a multilateral level within the African Union or the UN. So um, I think that was very significant. Our companies in Nigeria have not always had it easy. We know all the issues around MTN. Others have even withdrawn some of the, the uh, you know, the shop selling consumer goods and so on. We have moved to Ghana. Interesting, Ghana has got 200 South African com companies based there. And um uh, and about 500 expats in Ghana. I remember visiting and doing articles about South African investment there. And people were telling me that actually it is much easier in Ghana than in Nigeria, where one does just sometimes um, have to face with a lot of competition. Um, and, uh, you know, they, the media is very outspoken. Also, when the trip was announced, there were media reports to say, why is South Africa, a South African delegation allowed to come to Nigeria? Uh, now that the Omicron variant has been announced, you know, so it's a very important country, extremely important for us to have uh, strong links. This was the 10th binational commission with Nigeria. Um, and as I say, if we, need, if we want to achieve anything globally, um, and I, President Cyril Ramaphosa also said that multilateralism was one of the aims of this trip, promoting, you know, countries standing together. Then Nigeria, you can't uh, ignore Nigeria, definitely not, the heavyweight in, in ECOWAS. Hey, Amanda, the, well, well, earlier in a conversation, you said that uh, uh, President Ramaphosa said that he had uh, undertaken the trip um among other things you know to make deals now did 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 they uh, reveal what sort of deals uh, they were working on or were concluded sorry before i move on i just want to add to what lizo just said now because that was also another thing that our delegation said they didn't want to do which was to play the big brother that is not that was not the intention to stamp our authority on on these other states ours was to show interest basically that this is what we'd like to offer you and in return this is what we we want so it was a again 
again, a, a two-way street where you invest in us and we allow you to invest um, in, in our country. So it was very important for them to say, we don't want to appear as though uh, sometimes they always compare us as the United States of the continent, but that's not that's that was not the the goal. I was told repeatedly that we are not trying to be the big brother of the African countries. So, just to answer your question, a number of memorandums of understandings were signed. The the main focus in Nigeria was about uh, sorting out the issue of the businesses, like 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 uh, Lisa said. Uh, the minister made made it a point to say that. We need to make sure that the environment for business to to thrive needs to be conducive. So that was one of the big points is that they don't want South African businesses leaving. So one of the things that they wanted to sort out in Nigeria was the issue of the businesses. In Ivory Coast, there's a lot of context that we made, but it, for him, he wanted the context that they were made to be turned into a contract. There were two agreements that were signed um, with the, and they had 100 business people there. And um, in Ghana, we signed agriculture, women and children, and transport. And then in Senegal, uh, there was a joint commission for bilateral cooperation, um, diplomatic and uh, a political and diplomatic consultation, technolo technological, economical cooperation in the field of fisheries and agriculture. Um, so there were just there was a various various ones. I think there was even one where Mbalula signed on air travel, but they were uh, across across every sector, most of the sector, because I even saw the minister, Senzo Mkunu, joining the delegation at some point. At some point, I saw a um, minister of communication, um, you know, telecommunication in Africa is also a big thing. So, uh, and Chavini was also there. She wasn't in Nigeria, it was also Ivory Coast. And then Labour was also there. So, there was also a big focus on trying to create jobs. In many of the countries that we went to, you, everywhere you, you looked, there were scaffoldings. So, th that, that was a good sign to show that there is some development. So obviously they also need us to help them either with, with building better roads, infrastructure. Um, uh, we in, in Ivory Coast, we also talked about the ports. Um, yeah, that, so it was across the board. Um, yeah, I, I would say that. And, and listen, you know, they, they, they're just listening to, to, to Amanda. I'm thinking, you know, they, they, I've often heard people say that um, since since Tabombeki uh, left office, South Africa has has taken a sort of a backseat uh, role or, or lost influence in African affairs. Perhaps except now with the with the with the with the COVID uh, challenges, is is that is is that view a correct one? Yes, absolutely, Mike. You know, um, President Tabombeki, former President Tabombeki, um, raised the bar. I mean, he was key in the creation of the African Union, African Renaissance, etc. He also um, was a intellectual, cons you know, who that knew and that knows Africa so well and its writers and philosophers. And you know, there was a whole other approach, I think, by um, former President Mbeki to to pan-Africanism, whereas um, lately, um, you know, we've seen a much more sort of business-orientated approach. And uh, it was really interesting um, for me to see President Cyril Ramaphosa, especially in 
Senegal, where he got an honorary doctorate there at the university, uh, Sheikh Anta Diop, uh, speaking about, you know, the founding fathers of the African Union, but also about Franz Fanon and Aimé Césaire and all those philosophers, you know, in a, in true Mbeki style, um, almost uh, building a bridge now between this presidency and uh, Pan-Africanism and what former President Thabo Mbeki brought to the continent. Our image has certainly been uh, dealt a big blow um, following uh, the Mbeki presidency because uh, former President Jacob Zuma, you know, and, and all the corruption scandals and so on, um, it dealt a blow to our image as the leading country on the continent promoting democracy and good governance and so on. And xenophobia, we have to say, have also dealt a blow to our image. Uh, and it has been very damaging to South African businesses, even on the continent, you know. And that's why this visit, for example, could serve to gain some uh, political capital for South Africa in these countries where sometimes people are just, you know, negative against South Africa because they see their own citizens being attacked and they, they see the South African government not taking that uh, seriously in South Africa. So, you know, you need a lot of work to overcome uh, these challenges when it comes to, to investing and trade. You know, I, I do sense also what Amanda was saying, you know, there's a lot of talk around um, equal partnerships and also allowing other African countries investing in South Africa. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about that, but we still have to see that in practice on our shelves to see products from these other countries it just doesn't happen. But finally, maybe Mike, the issue of free trade has to be accompanied by um, free movement of people. Now, during the trip, there was some announcement of uh, Kenyans and Ghanaians eventually being able to enter South Africa visa-free. But if we are going to move to a continent where there is free movement of goods, the African continental free trade area, you know, people should be allowed to travel, especially business people. So making it easier to travel from one country to another is definitely, I mean, that is the next uh, um bridge to cross for us if we really want to make this African unity work. Okay. And, and just, just lastly, uh, uh, Amanda, it, it, the, we've just been talking a lot about uh, West Africa. Uh, what, what did, did you pick up anything uh, on your travels about uh, the possibility of South Africa extending its, link, its linkages, you know, for example, in, in, in East Africa or in the North? Uh, not yet. Um, they, his main focus, he said, was now it's time to implement. Many a times the agreements are signed and there's a lot of fanfare around the meetings, but then sometimes the agreements sit and gather dust. So he said that he wants to make sure together with the presidents, they will be monitoring that all these things that were agreed upon are implemented. So we are not talking next countries yet but we, he's focusing on let's do what we agreed on and then move on. But, I mean, it's early to say we could see. I know the Ivorian pre president has been invited to come to Cape Town, so I, I'm, 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 I'm not really privy to information about maybe moving on to, you know, his next next project. He, he, yeah, his main focus was at the, at, for now 
was these four countries and implementing everything that following through basically on what they had um, what what they have agreed on. Okay, uh, I think that, that that's all the time we have. Uh on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly uh, for this week's episode. Uh, and I'd like to thank our guests, uh, Amanda Koza, who's the Sunday Times presidential correspondent, as well, of course, as uh, Lisa Lovodran, uh, who's a senior researcher at the Institute for Security Studies. And by the way, uh, for a podcast of this conversation, you can go to iono.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. Until next time, as we've been saying all along, do remember to stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. My name is Mike Siluma. <laughs>